0: It wasn't terrible at all. And I and I I think that's probably because most people when you open the door and you say I'm a Conservative Party candidate, they've looked at me with sympathy. Mm.
1: (laughs) So Alex, first question I've got for you. I asked you to have a look at your desk and see if you've got any objects on there that represent a part of you. What have you found?
0: uh i'm gonna ignore the screens and all that other kind of stuff because which dominate them these days of course but um they they the one thing i thought about is my picture that's above my desk if that counts um because uh uh and i'll describe it to you it's a it's a, a mock oil painting i suppose of a um of an old sort of military general, if you can imagine in portrait form, uh, surrounded by a rather grand frame, although it's that's only an image. But the head of this uh, sort of Duke, and, Duke of Wellington-esque person has been replaced by an owl uh, mm. looking very severely at uh, at the the, the, uh, the onlooker uh, or the viewer and uh yeah that's my item and i and I selected it because um it takes the Mickey out of all of that sort of pomposity that one can um, sometimes see in life and wonderful I enjoyed it for that reason, so that's why I, that's,
1: that's wonderful beautiful. that's a great image, and I can see it and it uh uh yeah it resonates i can I can imagine that. I've just had a memory. So we met originally, Alex, back in the 90s. And my memory was, that's why that owl resonates, is that you have always, and I was thinking about this interview before, you've always had fun. You've yes. always kind of brought some joy to what you do. And I, and that's, in a way, the first area I wanted to kind of talk about. Of like, how do you do that? Are you conscious of doing that? Um, how does that work with being in a very professional big big partnership how, how yeah you well, that?
0: yeah you know it's um it's funny you picked that up because i you know i it was one of the things uh i reflect on in terms of advice to people you know later on is is always to have fun um in what you do. And I know that sounds crazy and particularly crazy, frankly, in a conservative profession like accounting and so on, uh, you know, which uh, people would, I think, will frequently say you can't possibly have fun doing that, but you have, you have to. And do I consciously do it? I'm not. I think sometimes I do. Um, I uh, because I think it's necessary sometimes to deliberately inject Fun.
1: And how, so that's the bit I'm really interested, how will you do it? Like I, I've got a memory of someone saying about you that you kept, funny you said you said you had that general above your desk, you kept a military helmet in your office and would put it on <laughs> and hide under the desk or something, I don't know, I, I might be embellishing that bit, but but that, that's what I'm interested, how do you bring that, whatever that is, a bit of reverence, um, fun joy into the way that you're communicating?
0: Well, I think you, uh, the the first thing is, and you picked up their helmet, sort of, you know, that helmet is a, uh, was something I brought into my office. It was given to me by my great uncle. He was shot in the first world war and it didn't die, obviously, but, um, you know, he gave it to me and I I brought it into the office uh, one day just to show someone, I think, and it just stayed in my office. And it stayed in my office because everyone asked questions about it, and we could have a bit of a discussion. And um, uh, and it became part. And and every now and then, I used it as a as a prop when things mm-hmm. were getting bad. If you see what I mean, so yeah. I put the helmet on and, um, and 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 so to use it. So it sort of emerged as yeah. something really. Um, but equally, it's you've got to be prepared to. Uh, I think take the slight Mickey out of yourself. Yeah. Um. In order to in order to do that, and for people to have fun, you've got to give them permission to have fun, and that means you have got to demonstrate your willingness to sort of mm. accept it. I think, and uh, and be be conscious about it.
1: Um, so that's exactly, and, that, and, and that's the bit I'm really interested in in somehow you gave yourself permission to do that because this, as you know, is a podcast about how we communicate and having impact. And one of the things I often um, am struck with when I'm working with people is how uh, there can be two such separate personalities. And, and we're going to talk about that a bit later of that, this is the professional me and then this is the, the the irreverent fund me and often there's a huge barrier between those two and so what i'm looking at often in terms of presentation is how if you can meld those two and you know this Um that's what you you're describing so i sort of wonder at, at what point like why have you given yourself permission or have you seen it or or, or or at what point was it working and reinforced it working or can you describe any of that
0: um I I can think of a number of times when it's sort of started working. I mean, I'll give you a couple of examples where where I have used it deliberately to sort of engage and to lighten people and so on. I mean, you know, I find, I don't know if you, well, I know you actually, you've joined us at some of our uh, conferences over the years and where we have deliberately used, rather uh, uh unconventional ways of presenting um yeah. uh, our, our our topics and there was the, that the, the,
1: the first one was a naval trial wasn't it we, yes we, we, you, you as management were all put on stage and were underwent a naval tribunal to test your strategy
0: yes and and we did that because and it was actually a rather serious time for our particular group i mean it was a group of uh 300 people worldwide at that time, maybe slightly more, uh, and our business was fundamentally threatened by some changes in in the rules. And uh, those, you know, the, we felt as the, the sort of the leaders of the business felt pretty confident about it, but it was clear that people were not. And so we had to get the message across in a way that was engaging and really sort of motivated people and we chose this this uh, mock trial where we put the, uh, the leader of, the, of our group on trial and accused him of destroying the business. So at one level we were playing it, we were playing exactly to the thing which we felt that people were worried about. Mm. But we took the, you know, that mock trial and we all dressed up and we had a judge and we slightly, you know, we deliberately slightly hammed it up, obviously. But it was a very serious subject. We just used a bit of humor to to really engage people. We didn't have any slides. It was just a a trial with us all dressed up on stage, um, exploring the arguments that we had heard people put to other people and we knew were out there uh, but we use that kind of fun and enjoyment as a mechanism for you know uh, grabbing people's attention and I think you can do that uh, and and I, I, I always try and do it I certainly don't always succeed mm-hmm. but I always will try and do that particularly on those large um, uh, these big set piece events if you can inject something that is um fun uh, Mm. because it lightens things up and it gives Mm. people permission to also be light and also Mm. have fun uh and to explore uh topics which sometimes they might otherwise feel Mm. a bit intimidated about
1: Mm. um okay so 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 my next question is is What's a failure that you look back on that you go because of that failure, you've learnt, you've moved forward, you've developed yourself in some way in terms of communication, presentation, impact.
0: So I uh, the, the the one I would say was my favourite. It wasn't my favourite at the time, of course, but my one of my favourite failures was. Um, when I was, you know, I think, you know, I stood um, for Parliament um, back many, many years ago um, in 2001, and I was standing for the Conservatives, and that was a losing pitch, ever there was one, particularly, uh, particularly in, in the seat that I ultimately got. But as part of that process, you have to...
1: What was the seat? You, where did you stand?
0: Uh, Middlesbrough.
1: Wow. Yeah, so, that's brave. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so it was it was it was not a good it was not a good time. Uh, I had a fabulous time, by the way. I enjoyed it enormously. But uh, in in getting selected for a seat, you uh, the way it works is you apply. Once you're approved as a candidate, you you apply and you then go and present yourself to many to associations, and they then um, deliver a verdict on you. Um, And certainly until I got the seat in in Middlesbrough, I tried a few and I remember doing some very earnest sort of speeches and uh, to try and sort of uh, win the favour of the local constituency. And I was talking about my, uh, you know, my political views and all that sort of stuff. And I and it it didn't work. I mean, I kept, you know, I kept getting rejected and it was very sort of, uh, um, it, it was multiple failures, put it that way at that mm. stage. But then I had a discussion with a, um, a, a politician who I knew and who subsequently became a very successful one. Um, and, and the point he made to me was you you you're tackling it wrong. They want to know you as an individual. Brilliant. Yeah. And they don't really, you know, you're an approved candidate. They're not actually concerned about what you think about most of these topics. It mm-hmm. might be peripherally concerned and you may get some questions on them. But really what they want to know is what are you like? What are you going to be like to work with as a candidate? Yeah. How do you value, you know, will you value them? You know from their perspective, they are choosing you as a representative and um, and they you know these are unpaid people who who are very committed to their uh, to their cause put it that way mm-hmm. and they want someone who will be good to work with and they can relate to and uh, mm-hmm. you know they indeed will have fun themselves working with
1: so that brings me in a way to my next question which is how did you do that what, so so you hear that how did you change that how did you start to go okay this is me i'm i'm gonna drop the earnest and and be alex what did you do practically
0: well i i i um i can't remember exactly what my speech was but it was i i started thinking about why you know why am i doing this mm more than what do i believe in necessarily uh and giving more of my personal background and uh who mm. i was uh as an as an individual and my motivating sort of forces if you
1: like mm. so talking more about self
0: uh, more about self yeah and, That's interesting. and yeah. uh the i mean obviously not in a way that is self-aggrandizing because that doesn't help anything but but just allowing them to get to to know me and I you know talked about a few um sort of formative experiences so I I had to sort of think through some of those elements that uh, had been very influential on me mm. and and why and then I talked about my fact you know things like my family and gave a bit of background and all that sort of stuff it was just much less uh uh in a sense going back to the picture I have over my desk much mm. less kind of pompous and uh you know full of uh stuff it was mm. just much more uh you know um portrayed me as a much more yeah. real individual and someone who they could sit in a uh in in a living room and talk to over a cup of tea you yeah.
1: know yeah and what was it like knocking on the doors in Middlesbrough
0: Actually, you know, this is the sort of the everyone says everyone always says to me, Oh, that must have been terrible. But actually, you know, it wasn't terrible at all. And I and I, I think that's probably because most people when I open when you open the door, and you say I'm you know, I'm the Conservative Party candidate. They looked at me with sympathy, mm. <laughs> rather than um, as a, uh, you know, as someone to be hostile to. I mean, there was only, I I recall over the whole, the whole period, and I was selected around six months before the um, election, but over that, that six month period, I think I only had one instance where, you know, someone slammed a door, mm. they didn't really slam it, they just closed it and said no thank you you know it was it was actually a really enjoyable experience and I and I you know I loved getting to know the people uh, of Middlesbrough and you know and the constituency association and and mm. did what we did and and um it was a great experience mm. Uh, mm. so mm. Uh, yeah it, it's um in that respect, I think politicians are a bit, dis, you know, disparaged. That you know, all that sort of stuff is, uh, it, it's much more down to earth and and real than I think some people, think uh, you know, yeah. think politicians are. Yeah. I, my my impression of politicians improved when I did that. If you see what I mean. Mm.
1: And I've always thought politicians have to work on their feet a lot harder than a lot of other, in terms of communication. Yeah. Um, there's a there, there's I mean it must be a very good training ground. Yeah. Um, because if you can if you can get through a selection committee in Middlesbrough and yeah. cross over people's doorsteps, that makes pitching an audit, presumably, a yes. bit easier. Uh,
0: you know you're, you're you're spot on there, and I should have said earlier when we were talking about this that one of the things that Really, I learned from that whole uh, series of failures, but from the whole my whole sort of political experience at that time was it's uh, a very personal thing, and in some some types of presentation uh, it's very easy to they're much easier because you wrap yourself in the cloak of the firm you work for
1: Mm.
0: and it's defensive whereas politicians in reality and they they can sort of do that a little bit sometimes by wrapping themselves in the cloak in the cloak of the party say Mm. but really it's a much more personal thing when you Mm. stand up and you are pitching to uh to a constituency association or people and you want them to vote for you they are vote. you're asking them to vote for Mm. you individually and so the the kind of the uh and it it becomes a much more personal thing if you get Mm. rejected so and, and the danger with that kind of thing is that you can also slightly close in and become a bit more defensive about it mm. um and i think in those kind of that just takes extra effort to to expose that little bit of yourself that is necessary to yeah um to come across yeah. Uh, yeah. in a way and, that uh, people believe
1: and, so, and as i listen to you i think it's no surprise hearing that that your your role now is you're a relationship partner you're that's what you you're you're called a a, is it called a a grp you're a group relationship partner which is presumably nothing but saying this keeping keeping the ability to be brave but at very senior levels i mean can you say a bit about that how does that how does that translate into the, the work you do now
0: yeah, it, it, well, it's very. It is absolutely linked to it. I mean, the you know the key, the key, the key thing that you need in and sort of the the, the quality of relationships a massively overused term, by the way, is kind of the, is this sort of trust people talk about. You hear all of them. I want to be a trusted advisor. It comes down to trust. Whether you know what you call it, you want to be a trusted advisor or not, they need to trust you, right? And that's. The, that is so important um, in, in developing the relationship because, you know, at the end of the day, you you, you are looking to forge a, a mutually beneficial commercial relationship. So, you know, everyone knows you're not doing it for nothing. But on the other hand, they don't want to feel it's just a commercial relationship and mm. they need to be able to trust your Uh, a whole range of things, but discretion was certainly one, Uh, you know, confidentiality, you know, delivery, uh, um, you know, judgment, openness, a whole range of things that Mm -hmm. uh, come with them understanding you. And until they feel they understand you and until they feel they that you will admit to failures or um, or uh, say amongst mm. others, but, you know, mm. be transparent about stuff. People, uh, it's much more difficult to establish that yeah. trust. Yeah, you know?
1: um, yeah.
0: You know, and you have to listen. You know, and it's part of that, of course, is is listening to what they have to say.
1: Yeah, uh, which. Um, you know, it's, it's the other key thing. That's, a, that's another, exactly, exactly. That's a whole thing. A whole so thing. let me, yeah. let, 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 uh, I'm just curious, when you're in some of the big, whether that's set piece speeches, whether that's big pitches, big meetings, do you have, in terms of communicational presentation, any routines that you follow, any rituals that you do that get you into the right space, into that zone?
0: To to a greater or lesser extent, yes. I mean, they I, you know, I think you have to distill uh, uh, there's a distillation process. Right. So uh, what are you really trying to say? Um, And that takes quite a bit of time uh, in terms of how you kind of narrow the focus down so that you can really work that out. I think you've got to, as part of that, there's an an important element, which is not what are you trying to say, but uh, it's almost as though you, if it was being, if what you are saying was being written by the recipient,
1: Mm.
0: how would they, write mm. it if you see mm. it, or how they say it how getting into the uh, under the skin of the recipient of the message or the yeah. communication yeah. is so important because yeah. um they, they 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 we don't spend enough time doing yeah. it so yeah. you know if, if if one does that is a fundamental point okay Um, you know you so that
1: that will be well in advance before you're before you're in front of people oh yeah and and an important amount of time in a way referring to the thing you just said about listening but that's a kind of a a kind of expanded version of listening is that what is it that's really going on in their world where do you want to get them where do you want to leave them at the end of this yes Um, exactly yeah and then what about right before the moment of launch begins do you do you have anything do you do, do you have anything that kind of gets you in the zone do you um what, what what do you do to kind of perform
0: um well pre pre the actual moment and this is fundamental and you know um I, i'm sure you are instrumental in hammering this home to me but it's true is the kind of rehearsed Sort of rehearse, rehearse mm-hmm. things, so that when you get to that final moment it's sort of embedded and almost instinctual, and then what you're trying to do is just elevate the the level of your performance so you know and 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 that's a I'll, I'll come back to that in a second, but the but the rehearse 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 I think is something that is you know we don't always have time for it by the way but almost anything Mm. that you can do even if it's just one rehearsal is worth it because Mm. getting the words out your mouth time in and time out is Mm. invaluable absolutely invaluable it makes you seem more natural and I often hear people say I don't want to be over rehearsed I'm not convinced there is such a thing as being Mm. over rehearsed maybe in one or two cases but it's really not sort of I, I don't I just I think that's uh it's not worth worrying about but mm. usually what I see in in teams of people proposing is that they leave the rehearsal until way too late and what they spend their time doing is writing down what they're going to say yeah uh and spending all the time on the writing it down and not on the getting it out of their mouth so yeah so I I, I, I think rehearse 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 is kind of just so mm. important, particularly for those big things the the uh you know on the day itself is a little bit of pumping yourself up pumping other present you know presenters up and if you're the first person who starts that uh you you know it's all about energy it's all energy levels and you have to start high yeah uh
1: putting on the um putting on your grandfather's hat
0: put on the grandfather's hat yeah yeah totally and start if you can start with Something humorous. I mean, and start with a joke. Usually yeah. point if you can point it at yourself. I mean, I will frequently, you know, in presentations, I will often use photos uh that essentially enable me to poke a bit of fun at, at myself. Yeah. Because it's uh I'm I'm an easy target and 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 it just makes it it makes the whole uh audience relax or uh, and, it, and it and it just opens it up straight away and it makes your team relax too so yeah. if you're presenting yeah. to your team so
1: okay okay thank you my final question alex yeah what's your advice to alex finn age 21 in terms of presentation and impact what what, what advice would you give him
0: So, I would, I mean, I, I think the first thing is puncture the, you know, the, 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 the owl, the pomposity. You know, be, you know, be yourself, really, um, as much as you can be. And, you know, you said somewhere about you know, pers- professional versus personal. Uh, I don't think they should be different people. I think they should be shades of the same, really. Mm-hmm. It's just a question of degree. Mm. and uh so yeah. i think you also have to respect your listener and uh and well respect everyone generally but you know think about in, in, in a presentation context i suppose that is how do you uh engage them how do you think about them when you are crafting what you mm. say um and and then one final thing is you're never going to get it right the whole time you never do uh so you just got to start you know start again and and do it again better next time
1: you know that perfection thing can be a real problem it It wasn't right um Yeah.
0: yeah exactly
1: yeah i'm i'm massively grateful and I'm left thinking of how fitting it is that we started with the wise owl having fun with a tin hat on or a hat yes. or a military hat and yes. I think it's a, I think it's, a it, it's a wonderful um it is a wonderful kind of metaphor um for what you've described which is uh wisdom um not taking itself too seriously and the benefits that come out of that
0: yeah completely
1: so thank you.
0: Absolute pleasure.